What has impressed the most about Jonathan Smith's start here at Michigan State? And what is the Spartan ceiling for 2024 anyway? No, it's not just me. The MSU Homer talking about it. We have Craig Scheman of Locked On Big Ten here to talk about it. Let's go. You are Locked On Spartans, your daily podcast on the Michigan State Spartans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked on Spartans is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. New customers join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash Locked on to get started. Spartan friends, Spartan family, Locked on Spartans listeners. Thank you all so much for tuning in to Locked on Spartans, your team in green and white, five days a week. We got a Locked On Network family member here on the show today. It is Craig Scheman, does incredible work for Locked On Big Ten. And yes, we're going to jump around the rest of the conference here later on in the show. But right now, we're going to keep things in East Lansing. But before I throw him on the hot seat, Craig, how on earth are you doing? Are we doing okay over there in your neck of the woods? I'm doing okay. I was going to ask you what your temperature is. We're about 1,000 miles apart. Uh, it's a chilly yeah. 64 degrees. But, uh, you know, how, oh, nice. how are you guys up there in Michigan? balmy 44 degrees up here so yeah we got the shorts on the t-shirt on i got the sunglasses on today on my commute to work it was uh it was weird but it was nice, nice. yeah spring, no spring is coming not say. too shabby oh please oh god just please get here uh and that means march madness is coming and hey more importantly football season inches closer to us here craig so uh you know, spring you, is definitely welcome funny with march madness i was talking with somebody today and it's really late this year like we're gonna have yes. more it's like the April aberration instead of yes. March Madness, right? A hundred percent. Yes. My wife's birthday runs right in the middle of March and we always have to schedule things around it. She, she loves it when she has to schedule around Michigan state tournament games. Oh, her favorite thing to do in the world, but we've dodged it this year. So if not for nothing else, at least that's one thing I can share about this March madness. Uh, we'll see how everything else unfolds when the tournament actually comes, but yeah, it is. It's like bleeding into May. It feels like so oh, <laughs> we'll take it. Um, Craig, we are here to celebrate Jonathan Smith, something that we've been doing all the time on Lockdown Spartans here. We're, we are blowing so much sun, sunshine up this guy's butt. Uh, he's probably tooting clouds, man. Um, but, yeah. hey, that's just me, Michigan State brass, Michigan State fan. It's nice to have an outside voice, but someone still close enough to all the programs in the Big Ten like you are. So two months in, what has impressed you the most about Jonathan Smith's start here at Michigan State? The first thing I noticed is this guy, I, I think he left the job interview and started working, right? Yeah. I mean, he didn't have to worry about playoffs or any of that stuff. Season's over. He got in the car, and I think he met every high school football coach from Mackinac to Kalamazoo yep. and you know, made that connection. And um, that's going to help out with recruiting, dealt with the transfer portal. And by the way, when I knew I was coming on with you, I looked at the, just to update the list of the transfer portal, both in and out for Michigan state. And it's, it's like this long, it's, it's oh, unbelievable yeah. the, oh, the yeah. amount of movement, both back and forth. But, and the fact that he got Aiden Childs to agree to come to follow him at Michigan state. Um, you know, again, speaking of winter again, I don't know if he's aware of what winter is like there, but he'll find out soon enough. Correct. And, uh, so you got a coach and you got a quarterback. That's that's the first part. And you know you stop the bleeding with the transfer portal either way. But yeah, you got you hit the the high school kids right away. 
And, you know, I don't know if that'll pay dividends. You won't see that maybe for a couple of years, but mm -hmm. on the football field. But that's, you asked me what, what how I've been impressed. That's the first thing I noticed about this guy. He got after it. And I think it's an impossible job. If, you, if you're taking over a bad football team right after the season's over, end of November, beginning of December, and everything that's going on, just the all college football as a whole, they've got to change their calendar and be it's more crazy. like the NFL where it has something yeah. every month for 12 months. No college football. We just do it all in December. We, we make coaching changes. We have early signing day. We've got the transfer portal. If you're any good, you got to deal with a bowl game. Oh, yep. let's see the family a little bit for Christmas. It's impossible. No wonder <laughs> nobody wants to coach in college football. You got head, head coaches leaving yeah. for coordinator jobs in the NFL now. And I think that's a trend that's going to continue by the way. I got to say, like when Jeff Hafley did it, or Hafley, sorry if I'm pronouncing his name wrong, when he left Boston College, which is very relevant to Michigan State because we play the Eagles here coming up. I do look at that and I'm like, no, I'd probably do the same. <laughs> like, yeah, sure, I'm taking a few million dollars of a pay cut, but I'm also saving probably a decade on the tail end of my life just yeah. with mental sanity. I, I I don't blame Like Chip Kelly, yeah, he's trying to flee UCLA. Like he's standing outside in front of his stadium holding up a sign that says, please hire me. I'll do it for food. It's like, yeah, yeah. I get don't, it. <laughs> yeah, don't don't worry. We're about ready to start something big at UCLA. We're going to the Big Ten. Chip Kelly's dying not to be here for week one. Absolutely <laughs> dying. <laughs> no, it, it is a carnival here in college football. But, hey, games still have to be played here. And this is one thing that we just get really siloed with over here when I have Michigan State guests on, when I just talk about Michigan State myself is that we're high on the Spartans next year. And when I say high, I, I don't mean like playoff immediately. 11 and one, we're going to barnstorm it, Craig. Like, no, I'm, I mean like seven and five, which is a steep, steep improvement from where we've been the last two years. The schedule's gettable. There have been good off-season moves made in the transfer portal, whether it's taking kids from other programs like Aiden Childs or keeping some of the best kids at Michigan State. So that's why I see seven and five. But every once in a while, we'll get the national person on and they'll say, oh, we'll struggle, which is healthy for us to hear from outside perspectives, I hear. It's not Michigan State fans' favorite thing all the time, but the fact of the matter is their over-under is going to be somewhere around five when the Vegas line opens. So, Craig, after I'm done rambling there, what is Michigan State's ceiling? What do you see for the Spartans in the fall? Can I split the difference between the bookies and you and put it at six and six? That, that Please. I mean, I, yeah. actually, I think it's very respectable if you could do that. Yeah. Um, look, it's a tall task. There's a lot of work to be done. Um, it is so hard to do flip the switch from your first year. Um, yeah. like I'm just looking back at what Dion did at Colorado. Like there was all the hype, right? Like he sure. switched his entire team, came out, won that first game against TCU, and everybody's like, "Oh, this is." The, and then you know, kind of a diminishing returns as the season went on. It's hard, and the Big Ten, you know, it's hard, and it just got harder. I mean, Oregon is going to be a national player. Uh, yep. USC won't be able to stop anybody, but they'll probably win some games without offense. <laughs> right. um, Washington still has most of its offensive line coming back. So I think middle tier teams, I call them middle tier. Once you get past Michigan, Ohio state, and, uh, you know, throwing a, a Penn state and an Oregon and whoever, yeah. once you get to the middle tour, um, that's going to be tough. I mean, yes. Michigan state can probably be in the upper echelon of the next tier. I think that's a goal for UCLA, a realistic goal. Look, I'm an Indiana grad. I don't know how we're going to survive in the big 10. We're going to be down at the, we're going to be what I yeah. used to think of Northwestern back <laughs> in the day. And they just had the coach right. of the year. So 
that's that's where you gotta make your living in the middle tier and just get to bowl games and maybe every four years you pop up a big number but um yeah i'll I'll do a long answer to your short question. I'll, I'll go six and six and just play it politically correct right now. But honestly, I, I think that's a good, that's a good target. I don't hate six and six. I can't speak for every Michigan state fan, but I, I would take six and six and a trip to the Las Vegas bowl as if it's a trip to Pasadena right now or down yeah. to New Orleans for the sugar bowl. It, it can't be like this forever. Like this could be a one year thing where we're smiling over six and six, but who we, uh, yeah, just, just based on where we have been. Well, last few years, I just want to remember a bull t-shirt. Mel Tucker first got fired and there were all the rumors that Urban Meyer's talking to people in East Lansing. Now, everybody had them winning 12 games. So Fun times. Maybe, yeah. maybe somewhere <laughs> in between. you mean the glory days of our coaching search talk? God, yeah. You wanted to stoke some flames in the fan base for better, for worse. Uh, whew, wow. Urban Meyer I, I, I got a few clicks talking about that myself. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> Quite the time capsule. Quite the time capsule. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about the Big Ten, the conversations they're having with the SEC. Does it even matter? And then, hey, who else is having the best and worst off seasons in the Big Ten? But Craig, I hate to do this to you. I got to send you to the bench because I need to talk to people's ears off about Fan Duel Sportsbook, the number one sportsbook in America. As we are heading into Super Bowl weekend, and on that note, Happy Super Bowl to all those who celebrate from Fan Duel, America's number one sportsbook. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks and placing some super bets. I get it. Commercials are fun. The camaraderie is fun. Yeah, the game itself is kind of cool, but for me, it's all about the wagering, and I get that done at FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Another bet that I have my eye on from FanDuel, fastest offensive ball carrier recorded. That's right. We're using next-gen stats. Who will be the fastest guy in the game? Debo Samuel, he's the favorite at plus 590. Isaiah Pacheco, plus 680, but hey, Ray Ray McLeod, should he get a nice return? Plus 1120. Gotta like the odds on that. Plenty more bets at FanDuel. Do not just sit there and, yeah, you can bet who's going to win over under. There are so many props to make it even more fun than that. FanDuel has got it all for you. New customers, gets even sweeter. Join today and you will get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel official sportsbook partner of the NFL. And let's get the one, the only Craig Scheman back onto the show here. Locked on Big Ten. Because, hey, sometimes it's nice to just broaden your horizons outside of only East Lansing. And we're not just going to the rest of the Big Ten here now, Craig, because um, Alliance 2.0 with the SEC going on, the Big Ten, they're getting cozy to the SEC. But I, over here, on my end, I don't know if I'm in the minority, but after a few years ago when they made this alliance with a few other conferences and all that turned into as a punchline, I don't know if I should be taking this seriously or not. Craig, you're smarter than I am. Is this actually important for future conference realignment talks? I'm not smarter than you, but I did do a, a <laughs> podcast on this uh, last week, as a matter of fact, because I think it's a big deal. But first, I was sitting okay. here thinking while you were running your commercial, you and I have both put some effort into our sets here, and they're they're 180 yeah. degrees different. Yours <laughs> is very cool. You got like a green night nightclub glow to you. Yes. I'm, right. I'm on the sun. I got lights all over the place, but uh, it's very colorful. I like it. I like it a lot. Appreciate that. Thank you. Um, regarding this, I think this is a big deal. I okay. think this is the first step to the super conference, super conferences. Um, I'm glad we're into Big Ten because it's going to come down to the Big Ten and the SEC, yes. and that's it, kind of like AFC, NFC, or gotcha. maybe, maybe it'll be 320 team leagues if the Big 12 survives. I'm absolutely convinced the ACC is going to blow up. Okay. Uh, we've already seen the Pac-12 blow up. In fact, 
I've been calling the power five, the power four for about six months now. I'm just now starting to see it in writing when I yeah. read other articles about it. So it's happening. And I think this is another first step. I think everybody is so frustrated with the NCAA. They've done nothing for years. They, they go after you on ticky tack stuff. Um, they put their head in the sand on nil. They put yeah. their head in the sand on transfer portal. Now we got different rules. Kids play in the state of California, have state laws that are different from kids in North Carolina and Florida and everywhere else. And it's a mess. The NCAA will be completely insignificant when it comes to football. Football will run itself. And the two biggest conferences are going to run everything. I'm absolutely convinced of it. So they can act like this is kind of like an exploratory committee. But I, these are the first pieces, I think, of some sort of super alliance, super conference, super conferences, whatever you want to call it. And the Big Ten and the SEC are going to be golden running the show. That's what I think. You, do you agree or disagree? No, I, it all makes sense because, I mean, yeah, I, I, we have had the conversations with just ourselves, with our guests, that eventually this will be a 36-team super conference or 40 or 40, whatever that number is going to settle on. It just seems inevitable, especially with all, just like you said, the extracurricular ticky-tacky stuff where the NCAA just sits on their hands all the time and then only does stuff with just the, like the most inane stories that you could possibly think of. So I got to say, I give NCAA credit for lasting this long with all the shenanigans that they did or did not do. Like that, what a run of just doing nothing <laughs> that they were able to survive. But the road is coming to an end and I'm going to put you on the hot seat here. Like, what's your guess as far as timeline goes for when we finally do see the mega conferences? Is it 2025? Is it 35? Because like, that's what I have no idea with, is how long that this could take before we reach the inevitable. Whatever number I tell you, cut it in half, because this thing okay. moves at lightning speed, right? Yeah, like, right. I still remember how shocked I was when I heard that USC and UCLA were coming to the Big Ten, and then literally 12 minutes later, oh, we're going to throw uh, Washington yeah. Oregon in the mix, too. <laughs> Um, I think the, the barometer to watch are the lawsuits with the ACC, right? The okay. Florida state and Virginia, and these schools are fighting against that, the uh, grant of rights deal with the ESPN and all that. Once that blows up, once that first thread in the sweater gets pulled, grandma's Christmas sweater is yeah. no good anymore. <laughs> and that's going to be a shootout to see who lands where I know the big 10 is interested in like, uh, North Carolina and Virginia, but so is the sec. What does okay. Florida state do? Clemson's there. And then all the other schools, what are they going to do? Um, so I, it, it's going to be musical chairs and everybody's going to scramble. So once you hear anything of, the, of those lawsuits uh, involving Florida state and, and, and the, um, and uh, of course with uh, Tennessee and all these others are not Tennessee, but um, anyway, you know, the, when the lawsuits start happening yeah. and we start getting results, the ACC versus Florida and they're countersuing each other. That's when the whole thing blows up is what I'm trying to say. I, it's going to be awesome when Syracuse versus Pitt is a Mountain West game. That's going to be fascinating. Can't wait for that. Um, to keep it back into the Big Ten, as it stands right now, the, the teams that are currently in it. Hey, Michigan State, we're, us Spartan fans are enjoying an offseason of optimism. We, we see the vision of Jonathan Smith early on, despite all the obstacles that he's had. But outside of East Lansing, what other team or teams are having just an extraordinary offseason? Like one so good and so above their weight that even you're dropping, dropping your jaw over there. Well, a couple of things have really caught my attention here in the offseason. Number one, it's Ryan Day loses one game and he's blowing everything up. Yes. I mean, <laughs> Kyle McCourt has one bad quarter, throws one interception in the fourth quarter, and he's exiled to Syracuse. <laughs> yep. And so Ryan Day is redoing everything. 
And then, uh, you know, Bill O'Brien coming over and now looking at Boston College. I mean, it's just um, he's he's trying to revamp everything. I've now one thing he has done. He has made an extra effort with his collective there at Ohio State to take every player who would be borderline, you know, third or Mm -hmm. fourth round guys. I'm going to the NFL. Oh, maybe I can make a couple million and stay in Columbus one more year. He's keeping those guys. Now, I keep seeing ridiculous reports that Marvin Harrison's going to get 20 mil of nil money and come back. There's no way it's going to be that much. <laughs> but I mean, if you're a first rounder, you got to go and you got to start your clock yeah. and your earnings in the NFL. Wow. But, you know, those mid mid round guys, they're staying. And so I think that was um, that was the goal for, for Ryan Day. And I think they'll be pretty formidable. Um, you know, another school that kind of got my attention, maybe not in a positive way, but a negative way is. Look, I don't know about you. I watched every Iowa football game there was because it was the wreck on the side of the road you had to see. Yeah, yeah. Like right. the defense was incredible. The special teams were first rate and they had no offense. And this, you know, the Brian Ferentz story and everything. And so bringing in Tim Lester now as the offensive coordinator, I was very concerned or very interested to see who was going to be the offensive coordinator for this team. Because, I mean, what is it going to be a big shakeup? Are they going to start, you know, airing it out? At Iowa? Right. No. Right. Uh, Tim Lester has a pretty unremarkable record uh, as an offensive guy, a former Western Michigan guy. I think it's going to be more of the same. Uh, they didn't recruit any wide receivers that I can see. They got their, you know, they got a quarterback and Kate McNamara. They got uh, Luke Lachey, their tight ends coming back, and that's it. It's as Iowa football quarterback, tight end, and hold you with defense. Yeah. I think it's going to be more of the same. So those those are the two schools that really kind of caught my attention. Obviously, Michigan's in your face all the time. Right. Uh, look, there's. They're going to take a step back. And that doesn't mean they're not going to be good. They're not going to uh-huh. be 15 and 0 again. Um, I, I don't think there's any way they can be. And so people will look at that maybe as a step. If Sharon Moore only wins uh, 12 games instead of 15, are the people going to be all upset? I don't know. But um, those schools have been the ones that I've been focused on on my podcast because they've been getting my attention a lot. No kidding. And of course, here in the state of Michigan, it's impossible to not just look down the road and see what's happening at Michigan. But yeah, I it, like it's just safe to say that they're not going to get any better. They quite literally can't 15 right. and 0. But well, like I'm just surprised and amazed at the exodus of coaches there. Maybe they see the writing on the walls if something from the NCAA is coming down the pike. Or, you know, it, it just, just like we talked about a few minutes ago, NFL jobs are largely better and more enjoyable than college jobs, too. So it could be some combination of those. But yeah, it's just fascinating to see it all fall apart. I guess, even though, again, I do expect them to be a fine team. I'm yeah. not being a hater over here, but, yeah, that's that's puzzling. Almost as puzzling as hiring Tim Lester to be your splash offensive coordinator. <laughs> hire. Um, one more question uh, to get you out the door here. Who has a higher salary pool? Is it the Cleveland Browns or is it Ohio State? Because, like, oh. I, the, the money that they have to be spending on these guys, transfers where guys are already in-house, like we, we got to be coming up in the luxury tax here, don't we? This is incredible what they're doing. I think – Rick Patino said this week, and of all people you want to talk about the NCAA with. <laughs> sure. He says there's got to be a salary cap now in college athletics. Yeah. He might not be wrong. I don't know. Um, yeah. We've got to level the playing field somehow, I think. Or is it just business? If you're better at what you do and you get more money, you can have right. a better team. I don't think fans always want to watch a sport where you know it's always the best team money can buy. I think it should be level a little bit to some extent. I don't have the answer. Uh, yeah. But we do need some kind of guru in charge, a commissioner of some sort. But uh, the commissioner is going to be the co-Big Ten SEC commissioner. That's going to—they're going to decide. Whatever they decide will be fine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that God, you could spend another twenty minutes just talking about that and how that all gets ironed out. But 
Hey, until then, if we ever do get to that topic when we have you back on the show here, Craig, if if we could drag you back on here in sure. the future, I don't want to be presumptuous here, but uh, really do appreciate your time. This, this was great. Uh, gang, we're going to be back in a hot second. We're going to talk this weekend's Illinois basketball game at Breslin Center. But, uh, hey, that's Craig Scheman, Locked on Big Ten. Go enjoy the rest of your week, Craig. That was, that was sensational. Thank you very much. You betcha. Really quick before we get to the Illinois game coming up this Saturday at 2 p.m., football news broke late on Wednesday. Prairie View AM. Of course, the, the household name Prairie View AM. They are the week three opponent for Michigan State. Now, a lot of us remember that game was supposed to be against Louisiana. They canceled. They went with another school. They left us just behind, lonely and cold, looking for a week three opponent. And when that happened, I know that some people out there said, well, hey, try to schedule Oregon State. Or they threw around some teams like CMU, get some revenge for the Connor Stallions thing. No, 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 no. Here on this show, we said, Alan Haller, hey, bud, here's the assignment. Get the worst team that you can possibly find out there. See if St. Clair High School is available for September 14th to come to Spartan Stadium. The schedule is already hard enough. This week three game is scheduled between a road game at Maryland and a road game at Boston College. Why? Oh, why would you go even with a group of five school? Go down as low on the rung as you possibly can. He, he did a pretty good job on this assignment. Prairie View AM. Uh, we're not going to break down their whole team, returning starters or anything like that, but let's just do a quick overview of them right now. Last year, the Panthers went 6-6. Six and six. They were 6-2 six and two in the SWAC, and they did play a Power 5 team last year. They faced SMU. The score, 42-0. Oh, wait, that was the halftime score against the Mustangs. The final score was 69-0 against SMU. Just to give you a quick idea of what we can expect in week three of this upcoming year. Now, last year they also lost 45-7 against Florida AM, 30-0 against Houston Christian, and 45-16 against Abilene Christian. The only other time since COVID that they played a Power 5 team was 2021. They took on Texas AM. They lost 52-3. That game was 38-0 at half. So we're looking for an easy win. In week three, and there was never a doubt that that's who the opponent would be here. I mean, just going down to a HBCU run, an FCS run, uh, really just as close to Division two as you could possibly get. Give them a nice check. I can only imagine this is going to fund a lot of great things for Prairie View A&M. So, yes, Alan Haller, he knocked it out of the park. He understood the assignment. Just get the easiest team in here for a stress-free game in week three. Hopefully we can see Tommy Schuster. Whip a touchdown pass somewhere out there. So, uh, yeah, there is the news for the scheduling. Finally have a Week 3 opponent. Now, let's talk about this weekend's basketball game, which, of course, just like all of them do in February, has some importance to it, especially, specifically, when it comes to bubble talk for us. Now, I will get ahead of this right now. BartTorvik.com, the computers, they have you as a three-point favorite. 50, no, sorry, 75 to 72 is the projected victory right now. How on earth do the computers see that? Let's try to just humanly analyze what the computers are seeing right now out of a team that really uh, has struggled this season mightily. Except at home and except on defense. 
Yeah, that's right. We're going to try some optimism here for the next few minutes when it comes to talking about Michigan State basketball. Really stepping outside of our comfort zone here. But the defense for Michigan State has been extraordinary so far this season. 12 conference games so far for Michigan State. 10 of those 12 games, they are holding their opponents under their scoring average. And actually, in 8 of those cases, it's pretty drastic. 8 conference games, they are holding their opponents less than or sorry, more than 9 points below their season average. Many of these are a full double digits under their scoring average so far this season. So, this could be the recipe for the win on Saturday is the defense for Michigan State, which by the way, has protected home court pretty well so far this season since the James Madison game to start the season. Now, when it comes to defense, this is going to be a little different than the last game. Terrence Shannon has not played in that game against Michigan State when we lost in Champaign, but he is back for this one. Six foot six, one of the best players, not just in the conference, but the whole country. Has been doing solid since his return. He's played five games since his return, and he is shooting just 7 of 31 from three since his return. That's 22%. Still averaging 16.2 points per game, but the six foot six wing, hey, this is where Michigan State makes their hay. Wing defense. Could it be Akins on him? Will it be Hogart on him? It's probably going to be some combination of both. Would not be surprised even though he's given up about six inches here. Would not be surprised to see Tyson Walker in the mix on Terrence Shannon too. Just throw the whole kitchen sink at him. Keep giving him different looks. Yes, there are different players you have to worry about, like Courtney Hawkins, who, or sorry, Coleman Hawkins, excuse me, who uh, daggered Michigan State in the last game. Can hypothesize that that will probably be Malik Hall on him. I'm sure they'll throw Mike Sissoko on him every once in a while, but... Yes, the storyline of this game is going to be, hey, Terrence Shannon is actually playing in this one. And the second storyline is, guys, the lights are flickering on and off here. It is it is about to be 2 a.m. It's last call. It is last call for quad one wins in the regular season. This will be a quad one win for Michigan State, who, by the way, only has two of those right now. The Baylor game and then the Indiana State game. Indiana State, right now, they're number 22 in the net. They're inside that top 30 threshold that they have to be in if it's a home game because that's what makes a quad one win at home within the top 30. So that's your only two quad one wins right now. This would be a quad one win. And, yes, I understand that you do play at Purdue. That's, like, excuse me for being a Debbie Downer here. You're not winning that game, so this is the last call to get a third quad one win on the schedule before the Big Ten tournament starts. Now, could you pick another one up in the Big Ten tournament? Say against, well, Illinois if you do see them, Wisconsin if you see them, Nebraska and Northwestern are just on the outside of the top 50, because neutral court games, it has to be in the top 50 to be a quad one win. Maybe, I wouldn't necessarily count on it, but uh, this is the last call for a good quad one win. And right now... On Bracketology, we go to three. Sorry, 131 Sports, local Michigan-grown bracketologist, also one of the best year in and year out. Before this game tips off, he has Michigan State as a 9 seed. So, yes, on the bubble, but certainly on the correct side of the bubble. Joe Lenardi, he came out with a tweet today. He listed his top four seeds and then the last four buys, the first four games. Michigan State isn't even in the last four buys or in the first four. Like they, they are still on the correct side of the bubble. A loss here wouldn't sink them out of the tournament. It would just really put them against the ropes and they would have to well, kind of perfectly sweep the games they are favored in the rest of the season, which some of those are on the road. 
We've seen how this team plays on the road, and it ain't good. So, yes, this is going to be an important game here. I know that we are just fed up with this team. We're sick of this team. We're just ready to turn the chapter, some of us out there in Spartan Nation. But, uh, yeah, I'll come crawling back with as much emotional investment for this one as I've had throughout the entire year, probably like you guys will too. Again, Michigan State favored by three per the computers. They need this one. <laughs> They need this one, especially at home. So uh, let's just all close our eyes, hold our hands, and just, just go, go, go into this storm together, guys. We got this. Won't be the only fun game. Also, this Saturday, uh, the hockey team will be taking on Michigan at Little Caesars Arena, the duel in the D at 8.30 p.m. on Big Ten Network. They play on Friday night against Michigan. If you want some more in-depth hockey talk, we had Jeremy Dewar on yesterday's show in the third segment to talk about this weekend, how close Michigan State truly is to a Big Ten title, players to watch. So another great hockey chat with our friend Jeremy Dewar. Now, Spartan friends, Spartan family, we will be back this weekend, either Saturday after the game, if it goes well, or Sunday. At some point this weekend, we will be back. Locked on Spartans, your team in green and white. Go enjoy your weekend. I truly love every single one of you. You guys are truly the best. Love you all. Go green.